Good day to you all as we record here on October 5th, a little late this week. Welcome to Generation Tech, by the way. I'm Todd Brinker. I am joined by my dad, Jack. We are the two generations of Generation Tech. Hello. Hey there. How's your generation doing today? Well, we seem to be doing just fine today. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah, so me too. I just got back from a little mini vacation. I uh, traveled over to Phoenix, and my two daughters from opposite coasts met me there. And we hung out and went to the Grand Canyon and went to Sedona and hung out and got some really good food around the Phoenix area. And then uh, Tuesday night, we went and saw the Foo Fighters play at Talking Stick Arena, and they sounded great. It sounded like Dave Grohl's voice was a little hoarse, a little hoarse. Ah. And that we had, oh, it's so funny. You know, sometimes you just have to be stoic about things. And, and we all kind of uh, took that hat on this, this, for this vacation. The, my, my youngest daughter's plane had issues and the flight got delayed and delayed so she ended up rebooking for the following day so she came in a day late um and when she came in a day late that meant she ended up having like a 12-hour layover in denver so she was sitting in an airport all day long but uh we finally talked to her and said you know what go go take an uber and go look at go see denver so she went to a park and she went to like a a central station and and where they had like a place where she could have a coffee and and she she found a brew pub and had a beer and you know and then and then she went back to the airport and sat there for a few more hours to come home and mm. uh and then my the older of my two daughters and I were in Phoenix and so she and I were like well we don't want to just sit in the Airbnb that we booked although it was very nice um so we ended up going to the Phoenix Zoo which is uh you know, like everything in Phoenix, it's spread out. There's lots of space there, so things are big. Oh, yeah. uh, we walked four miles walking around the Phoenix Zoo that day. Oh, um, boy. But uh, they are really, really good at setting up um, and, and, and actually kind of integrating throughout the zoo. You know, a lot of zoos have like um, like a, a lizard building or something that you go into. And they have one of those, but then they've got lizards and amphibians kind of scattered throughout the place and a whole bunch of native species which is very cool you know being a desert zoo they've got native species that you may not see you know if you take if you hike a lot you, you'd be lucky if you saw half of the native species that they had and yeah. that included big animals like like mountain lions and and coyotes and and bobcats and but also all kinds of of uh, amphibians and lizards and, uh, and it was really, really interesting. Got lots of cool pictures and had a good time. Just really enjoyed the trip with my daughters. It was great. Um, but I mentioned the lizards because you were telling me about a, a lizard story. Yeah, I, I read a, online a little, uh, little article about a young girl. I, I don't know if they said her age, but I'm thinking eight or nine. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that liked to go out into the woods behind their house. But her parents had kind of put a kibosh on doing that. But uh, uh, I don't remember whether she actually this time went out by herself without telling them. But I, I, I think that was the case. But anyway, she she discovered a little lizard along the path, and uh, it was black, which was really unusual. She'd not seen one like that before, but she said, wow, this is kind of cool, even though it wasn't what you'd call cute. <laughs> the yeah, road was pretty it's ugly. A, it's a lizard. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I guess if that's yeah. your thing, right? Lizards can be yeah. cute. But for, for most of us, lizards are not particularly cute. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah. she picked it She picked it up and carried it back to where she 
uh, uh, put it in a box with a cover on it so and mm-hmm. and holes in the lid or something. Yeah, typical. A lot of kids do this in their life, yeah. right? They bring home something, they stick it in a box, and yeah, it was, see it was what actually it, it was actually a jar, so she could see it, and then she put mm-hmm. leaves and other things in it for it to eat. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. she made like a little mini terrarium. Good for her. Yeah, and you then know. she she got online and figured out, tried to find out what it eats, you know, and found mm-hmm. out really what it wanted was bugs. So she had some of those because she had a bug collection. So she started throwing the bugs in, and the lizard really uh, took to them. Uh, and uh, she noticed immediately that she hadn't been eating the, the green stuff. Instead, yeah. she wanted bugs. So the, the research helped. Anyway, uh, she didn't think her mom and dad would really approve of it, so she kind of hid the jar in the closet or something. <laughs> also a very very kid move, right? Yeah. And uh, and she managed to keep it two or three days, but then after about the third day, it seemed like it wasn't, uh, even though she was still feeding it with, with bugs, uh, it looked like it was lethargic and not doing too well. And she was concerned it was needed help. And so she decided to tell mom and dad, but only after dad showed up at home because she knew that he might be less severe about having yeah. such a thing. I'm not going to go, eek, you brought that in my house? Get rid of it, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. So anyway, uh, she told them the, the story. Didn't tell them necessarily how long she had it, but she had this little guy and he's not mm-hmm. kind of sick and wondered if we could get to take it to the veterinary. And his dad said, well, uh, you know, uh, and, and she said she'd pay for it, you know? Yeah. And, and he says, you don't know how much veterinarians cost <laughs> these days. You know, he says, you, you may not pay this off the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but, <laughs> yes. but if the veterinarian can't help, you got to promise that we're going to go take him back out in the woods and let right. him go. Yeah. You know, it's like, he's a wild animal. That's really where he belongs. So, but anyway, they did go off to the vet to, to uh, have them examined, and they got in the vet's office, and the vet came into the room with a, the lizard out there, and immediately got this surprised, shocked look on his face, and didn't tell him anything. He says and he picked up the the lizard and left the room, and came back some time later, uh, and told him the story, and that is that uh, a research uh, institution, it may have been a zoo or uh, whatever, I think it was a university though, had been working on preserving uh, nearly extinct animals and this, they had some black lizards, uh, just to, they thought the last two or three left in existence and one, one of them at least was male and uh, I think there were more than one female but the male had escaped and uh, consequently, they'd sent out a notice to all the uh, veterinarians in the area that uh, if you if you have any information that might lead us to finding this lizard, why give us a call? And so uh, that's what he did while he was out of the room. He was calling them and seeing, uh, telling them, described what he had, and everybody was just excited as could be because. Indeed, they were going to be able to continue their experiment because without a male, it was there was just no mm-hmm. no way to keep the species from going extinct. And so, the bottom line is that she became the hero of for finding this this rare lizard. Yeah, ugly lizard that most people wouldn't have picked up even. Yeah, <laughs> but I yeah. didn't tell the whole story. The folks, of course, were back before they took them to the veterinarian told 
expressed their concern about the dangers of picking up wild animals. Mm -hmm. uh, and she had told him, she looked up online, that, that, uh, that this lizard uh, was what it ate and all of that and, and was probably not dangerous. But she didn't notice that it was incredibly rare and probably at this point considered almost extinct. <laughs> well, I, I guess it would, didn't say that, you know, yeah. whatever it was that she yeah. found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, well, it's funny because we talked about this and I've got a daughter who, while she is terrified of spiders, is also not afraid. Now, she's an adult now, but she's not never been one of those that was afraid to, like, hold the creepy crawly thing. She was the kid that at the petting zoo held the the uh, giant uh, centipede or giant millipede, you know, that was eight inches long and, and uh, uh, was the one who would... You know, pick up the crab and hold it in the biology classes when other people would stand back and go, no, thank you. So she's never had that particular fear. And while we were on our little vacation, we happened to uh, be heading, uh, you know, walking up a pathway inside the national park. And she saw something move just out of the corner of her eye and she kind of stopped and jumped backwards. And it was about a two and a half inch, three inch tarantula. Yeah, maybe two inch. Wasn't that big. Uh, three inch uh, walking across the pathway. And uh, so she stopped and she said, get a picture of me. She didn't pick it up, but she pointed at it. She, again, she's not fond of spiders. Um, of all the creepy crawly things, that's the one she doesn't like that much. But uh, she thought it was pretty exciting because, you know, she's pretty outdoorsy and she's just never been. Uh, she's never seen one in the wild. You know, lots of them in, in, uh, in zoos and things. Um, in fact, I think we saw a pretty good size one at the zoo in, in Phoenix. But uh, anyway, it was kind of fun and exciting. And, uh, excuse me, then tied into your story. That was cool. Not, not tech yeah, related, uh, but interesting. Well, and also when then, then you sent me pictures of, uh, of the spider or yeah. of the tarantula. Hmm. And it just happened that I was reading a story and the headline on this one is that it's a uh, breeding season for tarantulas all over the Southwest and especially four yeah. States, but in California where you live, uh, they and Colorado have a smaller species of uh, tarantula that's also in the breeding season. Mm -hmm. Now, the interesting story about the, the tarantula breeding thing is is that uh, after uh, the male reaches uh, somewhere like three years or four years old, they're mature enough that they, uh, when the fall season hits and you get some cool weather, they go out looking for a female mm -hmm. who is generally uh, hunkered down in a burrow. And basically, uh, they, by scent, can find the burrows. And when they get there, they tap on the, uh, the ground above it in a manner that's apparently uh, recognizable recognized by the, by the by female. The ladies, huh? and, then, yeah. and then they'll wait a little while. And if she doesn't come out, they go on and look for another one. But if she comes out, that's uh, she's ready to breed. And, uh, so, uh, and the female, by the way, is larger than the male. Mm -hmm. And so if you find a smaller one, if you know the nominal size of these things, the, the big one is, is the female. And uh, basically after they mate, the female eats the male if she can, if, she, if he doesn't escape. But <laughs> the male is also aware of this and tries usually to get away and, and she's even trying to get him during the mating. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... So, so, but in any the case, life the, of being a spider, huh? Yeah. The, in any case, the male generally doesn't last more than a month after the breeding. Anyhow, he's going to die whether she eats him or not. So, uh, so it's a death knell for him. Huh. So, 
That's a, but but the female, by the way, will live up to 25 years of life uh, with uh, laying eggs every year if she can uh -huh. find a mate. Interesting. So I thought that was an interesting story. Yeah. Well, and that's what this little tarantula was probably doing, was out looking around. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I know we went into that particular uh area and then we we left he was still kind of going walking around right there on the edge of the walkway so we kind of pointed him out again and some other people came over hopefully everybody was keeping their eye out and nobody stepped on him uh yeah. you know not a, not a safe place for for tarantulas to be looking is on the walkway <laughs> have you had any fall like weather there uh well you know i've been gone the last four or five days but we we did get a cool spell uh, when i came back though the santa ana winds which are are unique to Southern California started blowing and these are uh, hot dry winds coming off of the high desert sort of from the north and so they come through and when I say dry winds I'm, I'm talking sustained winds somewhere between 20 and 40 miles an hour and gusts up to 60 uh, come ripping through the canyons and it dries everything out and makes it very hot um, and uh. so you know, we've kind of come into Santa Ana season, so it'll be, I suspect what we're going to see is we're going to, you know, get a, a, a few stretches of some cooler days and then some hotter days. And then, I was just asking you know, because the tarantula is, uh, male is driven out, it said, by maybe a cool, cool uh, that, that's their That's their trigger, huh, is the cool. Yeah. Well, we did, like I said, we had about a week of cool weather um, just prior to my leaving or as I was leaving. It was still going on, but but since then, it started warming up. In fact, it turned out to be perfect. The first day we were in Phoenix, it was like 97, and then it didn't get into the 90s again while we were there. It was in the 80s, and of course, when we went up to the Grand Canyon in Flagstaff at altitude, it was even cooler. It was in the 70s. We, we actually well, had to, we left, and then we, we get up there, and it's cold, so we went and found a Walmart and bought some sweatshirts sweatpants because i you know we were in t-shirts and and it was you know we were we just left the desert where it was hot yeah and, is that uh, is that where the spider was was he up in the high yeah spider was up where it was cooler the temperature had gotten to about oh, 70 okay yeah okay that explains it then yeah See? right at the canyon rim so yeah so it was definitely the cooler weather up there um, and earlier in the week when I had checked the weather it was in the 80s up there so we were dressed for that but i didn't check it that morning to see what you know if the predictions had changed mm -hmm. my mistake but uh yeah any was... anyhow so much for wildlife yeah yeah <laughs> welcome to this week in wildlife um yeah. so that's right generation lizard and spider um yeah. anyway there's a yeah so uh, apple should be scared of windows copilot yeah uh this is kind of interesting Basically, it's a system that's really oriented totally around using AI in virtually everything. Mm -hmm. And so the AI, uh, as a personal assistant uh, in, the, in the Windows systems, can help you uh, if you need to, you know, if you go through a process that takes three or four apps, it learns that it, that's what you do. And therefore... Uh -huh. The next time you try to go through that process, it'll do the whole thing for you. Is all uh -huh. you have to do is uh, learn how to turn it on. You know, I don't know if it's you talk to it or just what. Uh -huh. But uh, basically, they were pointing out that the new o o Sonoma OS, which just came out for the Apple computers, uh, it's only 
uh, moved toward AI at all, if, if, if anything, has been a few things in Siri, I guess, that maybe uh, use a little bit of AI. So it's a pretty mild introduction compared to what Windows already has in a fairly convenient well, I think that's Tool. a little bit of an ups, uh, uh, understatement because Apple is using lots of AI stuff sort of in the background. It's just not forward-facing to end users. And so, like, a lot of the stuff that um, uh, allows for better photos and photo searching and sorting is is all sort of AI machine learning based. Apple likes to use the word machine learning rather than AI, but um, they're doing a lot of things. They're just not doing it, like, in a forward-facing way the way that a lot of others have. Uh, you know, which I think bodes well for them in that it means that they've got the technology there and they're working on it and developing it, but that they're also cautious as to how they're putting it forward. But, um, but yeah, this is interesting that, that uh, you know, it might, although you know what that would mean ultimately is, is that like I can use my computer, but I can't use your computer, you know, yeah, because right. your computer is trained on you and my That's computer's right. trained on me and my computer knows how I work. But yours doesn't. Yeah, somehow it's got to know it's got a different user, and yeah. and and it couldn't just be keyed on. You know the, you know you can have multiple logins, and you just uh -huh. log in as a new user. Yeah. And then it it starts building a profile on how you use it. Yeah. Well, and devices that use uh, you know Face ID or Touch ID type of of things, that's a quick and easy way to change users instead of having to log out right. and re-log in with passwords and stuff. Right. So there's, they're, what they're really saying is the business of using processors to do tasks is, is going to get easier and easier as we move into this era of AI mm -hmm. basically being the uh, overall controller for you mm -hmm. to make things uh, happen. Mm. Sort of uh, assisted computing as opposed to direct computing, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting idea, you know, how that flushes out in terms of what it really means when we're using it. Yeah, is, is really it's the details of that 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 remain to be seen, and that's really the key as to whether or not it's going to be something that takes off, and is accepted or not. You know. You know. You remember when Windows became an add-on to DOS in the '80s? Well, they're saying mm -hmm. that this this Copilot thing, when it really gets full out yeah. to everybody, that's it'll be that that kind of a, a step in terms of how do you operate. Right. It'll just be a part of the software, just like GUI became. Right. The standard. Yeah, it's an interesting take on it. And again, it just depends on the details of how they implement that as to whether or not that actually, you know, takes off. Because, yeah, I mean, for those who don't remember that, you know, when Windows was first introduced, it was you, you had a DOS computer and you loaded the Windows interface, basically, onto DOS. It wasn't a standalone operating system as much as it was just a graphical user interface that overlaid the DOS underlying operating system, you know, and then they started integrating more and more of the, 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 the operating system into the, uh, into the windows package. And ultimately the, you know, it, it really, they really didn't divorce themselves from DOS until they went to, um, gosh, I think it was what windows 386 was the first one. That was uh, or Windows XT is how they they, they termed it. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually yeah. rem not not remembering all of the the versions. There were so many versions of Windows over the years. That's that right. That was the but one they... where they basically rewrote the underlying uh, OS pieces 
you know, and, until and, fi- until finally it just became Windows and DOS was no more. Right. You know. Yeah, well, and that was it. There was two different versions of Windows that you ran for a while. If you were, there was the professional version that was completely rewritten, and then there was the the public's version that still ran on top of basically a DOS kernel. And Windows ninety five was still basically on top of the DOS kernel. I think it was the last one uh, that that still sort of had DOS underneath it. Anyway, basically, uh, they're saying that. Uh, Microsoft has already been actively enhancing its Bing offering, which is their browser. Right. Uh, and but Safari is still pretty much the same old Safari in Apple. And the, then the the, the uh, integrated Chat GPT into Bing, and now it's taking uh, another leap, incorporating what they call DAL E3. I don't know what that is. That's a little bit that of means. an apples to oranges comparison, though. Safari and Bing are not not comparable. Bing is a search engine, search Safari engine. is a browser. Yeah, you know? but I, I I take it what they mean is is searching. Right. Uh, which, because Microsoft doesn't have, or I mean, Windows, or shoot, Apple, Apple does not have, have a, a search yeah, don't have a competitor in that, in that arena, you right. know. So, with it, we, what what you could say is that Safari could take advantage of the whatever Apple has done. If exactly, you're using it I, I can get to Bing using Safari <laughs> just as easily as anybody can from any web browser. Yeah. Uh, Although you know, I haven't done that. Um, I I I'm not a I've not used Bing as my search engine for quite a while. Um, you know, I played with it a little bit when it in its early iterations. Um, I'm a Duck Duck Go kind of guy. But um, <clears throat> might be worth checking out Bing because I, I, you know, the more we've the the, the more AI is uh, and ChatGPT has been a thing. You know, Microsoft was a major uh, investor in ChatGPT, and so them integrating that functionality into Bing directly doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and and they're coordinating with all the other hardware people to try to get hardware support for. The functions they're using mm-hmm. uh, to so that make make it automatic go very fast. Yeah. Uh, of course, Apple has already incorporated yeah, uh, the whole hardware engine. into their yeah. into their latest uh, chips for the at least the M1 and M2, which they're almost exclusive now. Uh, do to do all that yeah. very well. They rapidly. are exclusive on their on their computers. They don't yes. sell an they don't sell an Intel computer anymore. They finally moved the. Mac Pro, which was the last Intel computer, and there was a uh, a Windows. There was still an Intel version of the Mini that they sold for quite a while, but both of those have gone away. So yeah, although what I w- was surprised about in this article is they do mention its M2 chip is the one that has the dedicated neural engine with 16 cores. Doesn't mention M1 at all. I I didn't know there was that kind of difference. There isn't. The M1 has a neural engine as well. And it may have a different core count, but it's it's got a it, yeah. That's, that's what just, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's just a article choosing to focus on one one yeah. chip. So, anyhow, uh, it'll be interesting to, to whether uh, obviously Microsoft would love to grab some more customers and keep people from buying Apple products. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the the. the most of the world is still Windows, even though we tend to talk a lot about and we like Apple's products. Um, you know, yep. and and cost is a major reason, but also it's it's 
you know, availability of multiple vendors and sources for hardware and, uh, and lots of options from high end to low end. You know, people yeah. forget the M1 and the M2 are incredibly fast in terms of, of uh, computing power per watt. And so you get lots of battery power and stuff. But if you want the fastest computers, you still you go buy Intel right now, you know, and you get your and you get you know your own GPUs, and so you can still outpower the <coughs> the Apple products if that's what you want. Yeah, because they don't have the concern on the desktops with power. Right. Well, even on a laptop, you can get a laptop. Yeah. I mean, the battery won't last you 22 hours like like the like the Mac ones will, but. But yeah, you can always plug in your laptop, right? But if you want the fastest, yep. the you know Intel is still the option. You know, yep. right now Apple has, yeah, Apple has sort of foregone the the high end and the low end and said we're going to be the very best for the yeah. biggest number of people. Anyway, uh, this Copilot was rolled out on September the twenty sixth with an Apple eleven or Windows eleven update, so it's out there now. <clears throat> Cool. So uh, we might see other articles on how how it's doing. But anyway, it was new to me because generally I don't follow these. Uh, it was just the fact that uh, this article was comparing it to Apple's uh, type of work, and I mm -hmm. assume written by a by a Windows uh, guru, uh, and maybe he's not aware. He apparently is not totally aware of Apple's capabilities because he made at least one mistake. Right. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know the funny thing is, I mean, you and I have used both, but <clears> we <throat> definitely lean heavily into the into the Mac world these days. So you know, I, I'm prone to saying things that are not exactly accurate or 100% accurate sometimes with with Windows stuff because I just don't follow it as closely. And right. uh, you know, it's I think that's true uh, both ways, like you said. Yeah. Yep. By the way, I I, uh, uh, I haven't updated my M1 Mac here, uh, and uh, uh, this just this morning when I logged in, I noticed that uh, I I had a software update for mm -hmm. Sonoma 14, and I'm still below that, but it's got a listing of all the uh, uh, features of that. Uh, some new screensavers, big deal. Widgets, uh, just. If you like to have nice the things. Widgets, the widgets are, are significant. The, the widgets are yeah. very much like the ones that are on iOS and iPadOS now are available. Yeah, except, yeah. except they work better than as, as well as the, the new system for widgets on the iOS devices. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're, mi they're mirroring the ones that are on the, the <clears throat> that have, were in that's iOS new, 17. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, also, uh, video conferencing seems to be a big thing. And I'm going to take a lot of interest in that because that's the primary use I have for my computer, <clears throat> both talking to you on, uh, 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 well, as this mentioned yeah. FaceTime. I don't use. Yeah, but we're, we're using we don't Skype use for this, but we could use FaceTime. We could use different, uh, yeah. uh, you but, know, or Zoom or whatever. But I think I read somewhere else that it also works with Zoom because they know lots of people use Zoom. And yes, that's more things. of a business tool, and so they want to make sure. I think you know if you if you're doing multiple people talking, that um, that uh, Skype and Zoom. FaceTime just don't do it as well. Zoom seems to be the the well, go-to. 
the real world is you've got two types of computers out there, and, and, and any reasonably sized crowd has some of both. Right. Uh, yeah, it so. needs you, your 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 interactive inter uh, systems need to be uh, agnostic to your operating system, and uh, I, Zoom I don't sort know of why leverages web based stuff. Yeah, I don't know why FaceTime hasn't expanded to cover Windows systems. Right. It's gone nowhere if it doesn't. Yeah, well, and you know, they said that when they when they announced it that it was going to, but then they've decided not to. You know, they've put their efforts elsewhere. Well, it's because they were too slow. Zoom has just taken over the world. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, <clears throat> they they announced FaceTime years before Zoom existed, and they said it was going to be available on on you know multiple platforms, and then they didn't. So that's on them. You know, yep. they they lost an opportunity there. The thing yep. that Zoom, I think, did better than anybody else when we found this during COVID was that they do a really good job of having multiple people on a conversation and giving you controls over how those people can talk and whether people can interrupt you if you're the one who runs the meeting. And, and, and I'll bet you they got that covered with a copyright so that nobody else can steal it, you know? Yeah. Well, Zoom added that support. Now Zoom supports more than one person at a time, so you can have two or three people on a call. But their interface for doing it is not as nice as Zoom's. So FaceTime yeah. is still behind in that area, I think. Yeah. And, and again, like you said, they'd only work on, on Mac computers, which is great if everybody you've got uses Macs, but that's not the real world yeah so you know unless it's a company thing where the company's giving everybody the, the computers or uh, a family thing where the you know everybody's got the same thing but yeah now which I guess covers a, a lot of it there's another feature that's sort of related to this and that's called video conferencing and this is kind of neat you can have a background that you can stand in front of that is shown and you know you can put yourself in the background mm -hmm. and to bring that to the foreground so that's kind of a neat feature as well as uh, it says uh, reactions layers and this is kind of getting ready for the uh, spatial computing I'm certain because sure. 3d effects like hearts balloons confetti uh, and more around in the video calls can be triggered with gestures Mac yeah. and Apple silicon and I suspect you know even the ones on on our devices sure. because you got it's got the camera there is all it's got to do is start using it you know right so uh, we'll start learning to use gestures uh, very soon with as soon as I upgrade to this new system yeah yeah no I've got it too and I have not yet upgraded either so um, you know by the time we record next week we'll probably both be on the new operating system it's interesting how they're starting to bring gestures into other things so that they kind of get you ready for spatial computing yeah like the, like training the, the finger <laughs> thumb tap that they that is uh, coming in the in the first update is supposed to be in the first update with the new watch OS. Uh, yeah. If you if you have a you know if you bought the new watches, right, um, which I think is very interesting. Um, you know, I was listening to somebody else who whose wife had paid a little bit of attention to what was going on, and he was surprised because she had said she wanted a new watch, and he said, "Fine, we'll get you one of the new watches." Uh, but when he asked her why, it was because of that finger tap function. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I think she, she envisioned lots of cases where she was doing something and it would be easier to tap your your fingers together to, you know, acknowledge something silently than to try to say yes or to reach over with one hand if you've got things in your hands. Yeah. Well, so, it's, it's a fascinating time to be changing the uh, how we interact with the machines, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
but I, I do kind of like this little um, this this you know doing it sort of one step at a time. You know, I mean, Apple yeah. seems to be doing it through some some gestures and motions. Uh, Microsoft is using this AI that implies we'll see how it actually ends up being that you're going to be talking maybe more to your computer. Um, so we'll see. You know, and I think talking is, you know, every honestly, Amazon kind of spurred that the whole talking to your computer thing on more than anybody else when they introduced their little uh, Echo devices, you know, and then Google and Apple jumped on board since they had Siri and whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, they've all all had smart assistants, but it was like, oh, nobody ever thought of like, you know, putting a thing with a bunch of microphones and a speaker in your house to, to interact with. But right. you know that suddenly gave you something sort of like um, like Star Trek had back in the '60s, right? When they would go computer, and and then they would you know <laughs> tell ask the computer a question. So yep. uh, unfortunately, that's still on from all of them doesn't work quite the way you would like it to. And I'll tell you the one thing that I do the most with mine is try to do like smart home controls, you know, turn on or off lights or or things like uh -huh. that. And yeah. I can't say enough how completely irritated i am with the whole home kit thing i yeah i wish 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 that they would surface at least some way to do some troubleshooting let me go look at an error log to see why devices aren't talking properly and why you know because there's literally nothing all you can do is go shut things off and turn them back on and hope the reboot fixes it that's all uh, you can do oh boy you know, and yep. when at any given time, at any given time, I can look at my HomeKit app on my device and it'll tell you how many devices are not responding right now. You know, and I've got <laughs> and I've got smart light bulbs in every room. I've got some smart switches controlling lamps. Um, you just think they're smart. And, just because and, they call them smart doesn't yeah, mean they well, are. <laughs> that, yeah, that's their title. That's not their their effective range of use because, uh, Yeah. It's, it's, it's frustrating. It's uh -huh. just really frustrating. And it's like when they work, they work so well. And they'll work fine for a period of time. And then without any warning for any reason that we can tell, because, again, nothing is surfaced to me. So I have no way of troubleshooting this. Everything just stops working. You know, I'm sorry that device isn't talking. You know, I'll say, yo, Shlomo, turn off the, the kitchen light. Yes. And, and then I'll get, you know, the kitchen light is taking a while to respond. And then yep. nothing. And that's mm -hmm. it. You know, it just doesn't work anymore. And if I go look at the app, it says, yeah, it's not responding. And you go, well, well why? Well, what? What's going on? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So irritating. Anyway, they have, uh, hey, one, two, three, four major, maybe not all major, but four changes to Safari and password interaction. So I'm kind of interested to see how some of that uh, all works. Uh, one is there's a profile that keeps your browsing separate from topics like work and personal, uh, uh, personal, mm -hmm. separating your history, cookies, extensions, etc. Seems like that's sort of like the focus on the phone, right? You can have a different focus depending on what you're doing, and yeah, I think just keep separate. Yeah. And also, it lets you use any website like an app complete with an icon in the dock for faster access and simplified toolbar for easier browsing. Mm -hmm. uh, an enhanced private browsing uh, locks your private browsing windows when you're not using them, blocks known tra trackers from loading, and removes tracking 
that identifies you from URLs. Uh, and also, and password and passkey sharing allows you to easily share accounts with trusted contacts. So that's uh, not all of the things I was hoping. I was I was really interested in maybe uh, an improvement to passkey or getting that going. I, we haven't. I really know, you know, but the problem is, is that that. The all of the major um, players in in tech have said they're willing that, that they support it, but it requires that each website then implement it, yeah. and and that just hasn't started happening, you know. And I, I it couldn't happen soon enough for me. Yeah, I'm with you. I just went through something like that this weekend that was frustrating, and somehow apparently I had ended up making two accounts to uh well in fact it was to the the ticket company that uh, that. I bought the tickets for the concert that my daughters and I went to go see. Mm -hmm. And so earlier in the day, being the, you know, thoughtful person that I am, I said, let me double check and make sure the tickets are in there. Because earlier on when I had logged in, they weren't there. And they, and I, so I had emailed their customer service and they said, oh, because of counterfeiting and problems like that, the tickets won't show up until 72 hours before the show. And I said, okay, yeah. fine. Good answer. So... You know, of course, I didn't think of it exactly 72 hours before the show, but earlier in the day, I'm I'm online trying to figure it out, and so I'm and of course there's no phone number, so I'm I'm trying to email back and forth with customer service, uh, but ultimately I found out that what it was is oh I had created a, another account to their their system somehow. I don't know, hmm. don't know how I did it or why I did it or what happened, but I had a separate account. And so when I logged in, uh, when I discovered that, I had to retrieve the password. I had to have, have them send me an email so I could change the password on the other account because I had no idea what I had made the password out to be. And then I was able to find the tickets and all went well. But it was frustrating. You know, for, for about an hour, for almost 90 minutes, I was starting to panic. It's like we, we made all this effort to come here to go see this concert and I can't, and we're not going to have tickets. I, yeah. That's eerily similar to something I got frustrated about just the other day. I, I very often order a meal so, and then, then just go pick it up because I don't. the delivery services that are out there are always slow and the food's cold when it gets here. Yeah. So I refuse to use any of those delivery services. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I got online and I, I uh, get ready to order. And this is one I'd used earlier, so I had been on. But uh, for whatever reason, it, uh, I, I guess I forgot that I had used it before, and I went to create an account, and it says, oh, that phone number is already in use. Right. Okay, which I understand, you know. Now, anyway, I went to log in to try to use that phone number to get logged in so that I can, they know who it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I put in my order, but it didn't seem to take. I mean, I got no positive feedback that your order is complete after when I said, finally got all the stuff done and the totals and, and the pay and all that. And I got no acknowledgement. So I said, geez, I'm not going to go up there if the order hasn't been received, you know, because it should have said it'll be ready in 15 minutes or whatever. See you then or something. Mm -hmm. But it didn't. So I got back on and I said, Dang, I wonder if I can just find that again. And I, I did. I didn't have to start all over. Mm -hmm. I, I said, well, oh, it didn't really go away. 
So it must not have completed. So I used that order and I set up the pay thing again and ordered it again. Same damn thing happened. So I said, geez, I wonder if, if I ordered twice now. So I, I just went back and found the phone number and called him up and yeah. told him what I was doing. And the guy says, yeah, we got two orders for you. I says, well, I don't want one of them because yeah. I got couldn't get your software to function yeah. in a sensible way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And of course he has nothing to do with that. That's all done by the corporate people, right? Right. You know, he, right. He so anyway, uh, I yeah, I think the app thing there. sometimes just doesn't work as well as pick up Hello. the phone, call, and make an order. Hello? What's going on? I don't Oops. know. I'm here. I, it looks like I got a bad connection here. There. My cord was coming out. Ah. Ah, okay. I don't you know what happened. You unplugged yourself. Yeah, I was saying that it's, you know, as, as handy as having an app is, sometimes I think just calling and saying, I would like, you know, large pizza pepperoni i'll pick it up and you know i'll be there is is the better way to do it yeah um, but they don't want that to take all those calls because oh, i keeps, know you know yeah they have to pay somebody to take calls they'd much rather pay that person to be making the pizzas or whatever right so uh i i try to uh i you know i understand mm. and if the, if the apps would work like they should that, yeah. that would be fine but it's very inconsistent out there across yeah. businesses. You know, who whoever built the software, sure. yeah, uh, was well, a good job or a bad job. Yeah? We're in Phoenix, right? So uh, I order pizza from a taco place that we find online that got four stars on Yelp. I said, fine, I'll go pick that up. My daughter says, hey, there's a cheesecake place down the street from there. I'll order cheesecake. You go pick it up. You know, when you you pick that up after you pick up the dinner, so we'll have cheesecake for dessert. Yeah. So I get the pe the get the tacos. Show up at the cheesecake place and they're like we don't what we don't have an order for anybody we don't we don't know what you're talking about you know <laughs> and of course i left my phone in the car so i've got my watch on so i try to get a hold of my daughter to say hey did you place the order what's going on i actually call her she doesn't answer turns out she had gotten in the shower after i left so <laughs> so i'm like well okay ultimately they come back and they said you know we had somebody order a doordash for that exact same two types of cheesecake and it's probably already been delivered to your place. And I went, oh, huh. <laughs> so I just got in the car and drove back home. And she goes, yeah, I tried texting you. This is about two seconds after I placed the order. Some guy shows up at the door with the order. I apparently made a mistake. Instead of you picking it up, they delivered it. <laughs> <laughs> so we got our cheesecake. But it was, again, an app that, you know, it's like uh, that shouldn't be allowed to happen. That should just be so much easier. But well, anyway. The other thing with most online orders now is it defaults to the darn delivery company. And so if, if you go pick it up, you still end up paying them whether they got it, brought it for you or not. Yeah. Well, she actually did the order through the delivery company, through DoorDash. But oh. apparently when you, when you finally say hit the pay button, there's a switch that you can pick. And it defaults, obviously, to delivering it because that's their main gig. But you can order through DoorDash and then pick it up yourself if you want. Hmm. which is interesting. So that gives a whole bunch of companies who don't, who are especially smaller companies or, or, you know, uh, non-chain companies, you know, local restaurants and stuff, a way to have an online order that is not, oh, um, something they have to maintain. Yeah, exactly. They don't have the money and, you know, to set that up. So they just, they just have an account on DoorDash as a provider, um, yeah. which is kind of cool for them, you know, as long as it all works and, and there's no, you know, operator error or, or software but, that's not but, clearly but designed. Don't you, 
don't you feel that when they the DoorDash is selling it to you that they're tacking on a little money there? Oh, they have to. That's how they make money. So there's yeah. you know there's I'm sure there's an order fee and there's yeah. a delivery fee, and you know and then usually they they make it real prominent for you to give a tip to the person who's delivering as well. So, you know, your price goes up yep. for, for the, for the convenience, your price goes yeah, up. See, but that's, so that's so, historically so I, true, I'm right? careful not to be in one of those things. I, I call the store directly or yeah. from their website, you know, not DoorDashes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the, and, and larger chains and stuff maintain their own online ordering system and have their own apps and their own websites. Uh, you know, and, and they all still, you know, they won't turn away business. They'll all answer the phone. <laughs> you yeah. know, if you right. call them and say, Hey, I, I want to like, um, uh, I got home yesterday and last night my wife said, you know what? I'm feeling like a pizza from a, from a specific place. And it's a family owned restaurant. That's a few miles away. Uh, it's not a chain and okay. they don't have an app. I mean, I, they probably do DoorDash. I don't even know if they do DoorDash to tell you the truth. Um, but either way, uh, I went and put some gas in the car because it needed that, and then I called them and got and drove from the gas station there. And when I got there, it was ready, just as I got there, uh, and it was a delicious pizza, <laughs> you know. And I did it the old-fashioned way. I called and I talked to Melissa, and she said, repeated my order back to me, and and you know, I got there and gave them money. They gave me a pizza. We were all happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing went wrong in that process, which I can't always say is the case when technology gets involved. Uh, as much as I love technology and love it when it works well, you know, yeah. it can be annoying. It can be annoying. You know, I mentioned earlier that Apple Watch double tap feature that's supposed to be coming in iOS or uh, Apple Watch OS 10.1. Uh, so it has, it's not there yet. So if you bought a new watch, you don't, you don't have that functionality, but you know, several people have pointed out that that functionality already existed as an accessibility feature for people. And so if you have a older watch prior to this, the newest, um, series nine watches that you can go into accessibility and turn on the finger tap function to do, <laughs> do the same thing. They've did just say how, did it say how old? So, um, it's been there for quite. It's been there for a while because the motion sensors have been in the watches. Now this new version of it has probably, you know, been fine tuned somewhat and gotten better. Um, well, they're doing it by motion. You, so you got to do the the, the the tap with your the watch hand. Yeah, yeah. You have to do it with the hand that the watch is on. And what it does is it just clicks whatever the default button is. So if it pops, you know, like if there's a phone call coming in, the default button is answer the call. And so you just do that, and it'll answer the call instead of reaching over and tapping on the green dot on your. But you know, if you're playing music, the the default button is pause. So you double tap, and it'll pause it. Double tap again, and it'll play. Um, hmm. So I'll have I'll have to check that out with mine. I I, don't I was thinking about that too. I, I you well, know I'll I'll, uh, I'll explore that, and then for next week's show, we can talk about what we found. Yeah. Uh, because it looks interesting, although it's certainly not enough for me to upgrade. I've got, I think you, you as well have a uh, Apple Watch version 7, right? Uh, I don't remember. I'm uh, pretty sure yours is a 7 because it's the blue. Yeah, yeah, blue case. Yeah, we've talked about it. And, and mine is a 7 as well. I bought a refurbished 7. I had had a 5 before, and I wanted the, um, the uh, Pulse Ox sensor. 
which wasn't in the five. And the mm-hmm. seven got the slightly larger. It went from a 44 to a 45 millimeter screen, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, or c- case, I guess. The screen got bigger as well. But anyway, yeah, so I, I'm pretty sure the sevens won't have any trouble with that. So we'll give it a shot and see what we think. Yeah. So, so yeah. next thing up was uh, which acts. Which acts, which Macs support iOS or Mac OS 14? Which is Sonoma, the one I was just telling you that right. just recently released. Right. That's, yeah, it, yeah, they just announced it and, and we haven't installed it. And they're saying mostly only Apple Silicon models. Not a surprise there. Yeah. You know, that is. Apple's going to phase out the Intel support. You know. But there's, uh, on this one, there were some lot of uh, comments that, uh, well, no, this is not the one. Anyway, uh, there uh, there was some discussion somewhere I read about the uh, fact that California requires support for some some uh, something that's uh, for seven years after you somebody buys it, they should have guaranteed support from any company. So, right. like, you should get software updates for that many years. So this starts at twenty seventeen. And it, it's included here, so yeah. at least one of them, but it doesn't include all all the devices from 2017. Right. See, and it's usually well, just the Pro. Right. The pro well, ones. the Pro or the Mac Mini is from 2018. That was the last Mac Mini. The 2018 Mac Mini was introduced with the um, uh, Intel chip in it. Um, so that you know, that's an Intel-based machine, as is the Mac Pro. Uh, so you would think that once they can support one, why don't they support the others? And somebody made a big deal about the fact that uh, that the pro models especially have features that allow uh, them to do things that the non-pro don't. Yeah, and I did. That's why I did pay more for them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and and that support thing, by the way. It does not require that they be supported by the latest version of the software. It's a, it just means that they will continue to be supported for repairs and uh, and anything that might damage it. So Apple uh, meets those requirements by providing uh, patches to existing software, sometimes two versions or three versions back, uh, in order to make sure that they are... Um, blocking any holes that were found in the software that could be um, considered bugs that could be taken advantage of. And so they, and they do that. They've always done that. So, you know, like even like right now they're introducing iOS or Mac OS 14, but people who have Mac OS uh, 12 and 13 and maybe even on occasion 11, uh, if there's a patch that, or if there's a, a known uh, hole in the software that allows for, that somebody could come in and, and use to take control of your computer or damage your computer. They will send out patches for those older versions of software, and that meets the uh, the the California laws requirements in terms of support. Yeah, I mean, we've well, talked about it before. Apple tends to support things for you know somewhere between six and eight years with the most current software, and then usually for another three or four years after that. They, they won't get the newest software, but they'll get um, bug fixes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, another thing that I tried, there's a video in this particular article that talks about how to restart uh, a, a system in recovery mode if, you, if it's locked up. Mm-hmm. Now, we haven't had to do that in a long time, but I had forgotten about it. 
And basically, uh, there's a. I, I went and watched the video. Uh, you you uh, uh, when you plug plug it into your computer, you you have to have a computer to do this, uh, and it it brings up an app that. Uh, when you plug what into your computer? Plug plug your phone. Oh, so you're talking your about recovery. Device. You're talking about recovery I, mode, like for your your phone. Yes. Okay, we've been talking about Mac OS and Macs, and then you shifted gears, and I didn't understand that you had oh. done that. Okay. Oh. Yeah, I did. It just happened to be this box in here, and, right. and it brought to mind something that I haven't done in a long time. So it was a, uh, but but I haven't had a need to do it. But I just thought I'd bring up the fact that you still can plug in your your phone, even though you didn't initialize it and start it with a computer, you didn't need it for that for anything. If you do ever get locked up and need to do a, a forced restart, uh -huh. that you then is when you need a computer that will run this app that pops up when you do that. And I forgot what the name of the app was, but it it will activate an app that when it recognizes that it's got an I/O from a from a phone or a iPad. Right. Yeah. You and, can put uh, it. Well, you can put it in into that mode but you don't have to you can do a, 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 a you know forced reset on your on your phone and just let it reboot but if you want to put it into um into uh like what do you call it i i can't remember the exact well, terminology but the protective mode apparently you can get it in a mode where you can't do the reboot even oh okay and that's the case that you know, they tried to make the phone so totally independent of another device, but right. they still have the ultimate backup mode. If if you take it to an Apple store, they're just going to hook it up to a computer. Right. Well, and know? that and, way they can troubleshoot it, and and yeah. yeah. And and it has the tools to do the reboot. You know, re, a total uh -huh. restart. And at that total restart, you have a choice of whether you want to, you know, start with a, a new machine, or you can uh, then download your last backup copy right from well and that's assuming you backed it up to that device which is handled through finder now but you, yeah. people forget about that because they tend to use iCloud as your backup all the time but you can back up to a local device still with a um, as long as you got a, co a cable with the appropriate you know a data cable with the appropriate ends on it and uh, you know and a Mac as well as your iPhone yeah you can attach it and then and when you do then in the finder app it'll show up just like a uh, an external hard drive but because it'll recognize that it's it's a phone and not on a hard drive and and then ask you you know you've got some options there and you can do a backup if you need to yeah so anyway uh, the, it's always good to have a computer around for those kinds of things uh, you know if, if you have a need for a computer and yeah. <laughs> would, wouldn't buy one just for that but yeah because uh, you can always take it to Apple and they can help you yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you, of course, that's assuming well, you also live in proximity to an Apple store. Apple right? store, that's true. Yeah. You know, and by the by the way, my my new Apple store is getting some frontage look underneath the the plastic overhang. Ah. I was up the I was up the restaurant right next door to it the other day. Yeah, and they said early twenty twenty four is when they plan to open that, right? Yeah. I didn't have a date, did I? Yeah, I thought uh, when they when we had read about something and they said it we, we kind of well, got a feel could, for when it was coming but i could be wrong that that's probably about right i'm sure there's a lot of interior work but they basically consolidated what were at least two storefronts into one so they've got a bigger space than i thought originally yeah uh and uh, 
Yeah. Well, other than like the mall stores, which sometimes are somewhat tiny, um, I think Apple likes to have a little bit bigger space because they also do like training and stuff in there. So they want a room, you know, where they can do that. Yeah. I, I, I'll bet that makes the owner of the restaurant next to them pretty happy. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Bring, bring some customers next to us and they might just stop by for lunch, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's got to improve that whole shopping area over there because that's a, that's a big deal. Uh, you know, it is. That, it is. It's going to bring. I mean, I I've not seen uh, Apple stores that aren't busy most of the time, and you know I think they still hold the um, the record for like the the most valuable retail store by square foot. And have you, uh, you know, with all these shop and grab and stealing phones and stuff, did you, have you seen Apple's response? that they're trying to give it maximum publicity, and that is, is no matter somebody went and stole uh, some. Two, three hundred phones, yeah. and App- Apple says, you know, they're 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 all bricks, you know, because yeah, yeah they, you can't activate those, ha ha. Yeah, you know, so that's sort of their feeling about like people trying to steal your phone too, is that you have c- the ability to go in and brick it. That's why that thing about people taking your phone. Remember that that story about people in in bars, like going in and and. Um, stealing somebody's phone but they find out their pin code and they get into the phone real quickly and as soon as they get in they change their iCloud account password and yeah. and once cuz cuz as long as you is they you have your iCloud account password then you can go online and basically brick the phone and even identify lo- where it's located so you can send something to somebody. but if somebody takes your phone and they've got your iCloud account password then yeah. you can't do anything and Apple's response then is kind of a shoulder shrug going we can't help you, you know. Yeah. You yep. know, but that's terrible because iCloud is also tied into all of your photos. Right. That's why I keep a local copy of all of my photos, and then that local copy is backed up into another cloud account that is not related to Apple in any way, shape, or form. Because mm-hmm. yes, I'm paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh... Let's see. Let's see. What was up next? It was uh, third-party camera apps can give you a better photo. But they can also give you a worse photo. <laughs> so you just kind of... <laughs> they, they could do just about anything, right? <laughs> yeah. They give you a lot of rope to hang yourself. No, I think they're... they're uh, in fact, I even have a couple of... I have Halide and Obscura on my, my phone, and they are great apps if you want more fine control over what the cameras are doing. Um, yeah. But realize that then they bypass Apple's pipeline and some of the stuff that App, the magic that Apple's doing with uh, combining different pixels on the camera to give you HDR and things like that. They do they're doing their own thing, and you know, like anything, you know, yeah, it's, it's either one or the other. You know, right? I guess you could use the app if you're using you know in certain circumstances, and you could use Apple's app. And that would be my recommendation is if you are interested in photography and you have a knowledge of what these settings do, then you can get some stunning results by using some of these other apps. Um, But for most people, most of the time, the default app is going to be the right choice. It takes really good photos. In fact, it, um, it was interesting on this trip that I was on with my daughters. One of them has an iPhone 11 and one has an iPhone 11 Pro. And I had an iPhone 11 two years ago and was very happy with it. I thought that the photos in the iPhone 14, which I just returned back in, was was 
they, they the colors and stuff just seemed they like it felt like it was over sharpened and the colors were a little too high like it was it did things didn't quite look right to me the iPhone mm-hmm. 15 photos that I used uh, that I took on this vacation I used I used the iPhone 15 exclusively I brought along a a um, nice mirrorless interchangeable lens camera and my, one of my daughters ended up using that for a lot of photos I used the iPhone 15 exclusively and I well iPhone 15 Pro Max is what I've got and I thought they were just stunning photos I they, some of the best images I've ever seen in terms of just image quality um, and I did not use the the Halide or Obscura apps. I just used the default app, you know, just mm-hmm. as a kind of a test run to see if I was going to be happy with it. Now, I kind of view it like, you know, it's like an automatic car versus a stick shift car. Um, if you're a professional driver shifting gears yourself, you can probably get more performance out of a vehicle than an automatic. Uh, but for most people, most of the time, an automatic is going to be an easier car to drive, and you don't have to worry about damaging a clutch or jerking the vehicle forward because you let it out the wrong way or your foot slipping off the clutch. You know, if you know what you're doing, manual can be great. But if you don't know what you're doing, or if you're, you know, not paying close attention to it, yeah. automatic is a much better way to go. <laughs> and that's basically what these are all about: is to try to make it more like a camera. Right. You know, for those people who have gone to school and studied photography and, mm-hmm. and know all those things, they'll like to at least try to hone their skills for adjusting things and uh, yeah. to get the shots you want uh, so that they can use their education. But in the process of doing that, may lose some of the fine-tuning Absolutely. Uh, features. Absolutely. Well, and Apple does some things like when you're taking a picture with (laughs) with camera with one of the lenses, it will actually also take a picture with the other lens and then compare the two and blend the two using uh, their machine learning AI to give you the best quality picture. And most of these second party apps don't. They they focus on one lens and one sensor at a time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, it's... Like I said, you, you gain some stuff, you lose some stuff. Yeah, ph- photography is a, actually a more complex system today than it was when you were just working with a camera. Yeah. And it's just because uh, the computer can do the, what the camera did, and, plus a lot of other things. Sure. And, uh, well, Apple has the, the, the um, LiDAR system built in there so that it can also get, create a 3D map of whatever it is that you're taking a picture of and knows how far things are away from you when mm-hmm. it's doing it. So it has, you know, some some incredibly fine adjustments there, um, you know. And it's just, it's 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 an astoundingly good tool for taking pictures. Quite frankly, it's it's a it's a camera that does some other stuff for for a lot of people now. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed using it and love the the photos. I've gone through them a couple different times and really like the photos. And I took photos in in lots of different. Uh, settings and different light and with this mm-hmm. with this camera and used all of you know the the three lenses and with the pro max i've got the um that five times zoom lens that has the accordion lens prisms to give you a longer focal length and uh i i can say hands down this is the best phone camera i've ever used um i'm sure that if i had the latest version from some of apple's competitors they take astounding pictures too this is just something that all of the different camera manufacturers have gotten yeah. down to doing so well. Well, I, I like to look at it this way. Uh, 
people who like to tinker with the settings on a camera but have the advantage of a of a good optical system uh, belong to, to they should stay in the use of a real camera mm. okay because the disadvantage of the phone is is largely a deficiency in the optics because of the constrained space yeah yeah and your so, sensor and your and your lenses are so tiny you're only going to get so yeah. many photons in them yeah and and so uh challenging uh things that uh that you can't overcome with a camera like this like a like the iphone has are the uh real dark areas uh, or really bright areas mm-hmm. where the, the light and can uh, can't be uh sufficient to for the for the optics that it has Right, you know, just can't yeah, resolve that, it. that real high dynamic range is really hard to do, and there's ways, you know, with a with a traditional camera, you get in more light, more photons on a much bigger sensor, mm-hmm. and and you know you can take multiple pictures with different settings and combine them to get, um, you know, great photos. That said, the phone camera does all that for you. It can take you know five yeah. different pictures with five different settings in fractions of a second, and then combine them all together to give you the the best photo that's possible in that situation. Yeah. Now that's a very complex operation. Yeah. And you don't want to screw it up. <laughs> right. Well, especially if it's a one-time shot that you're getting of you know your child or your grandchild or you know. It, yeah. You know, it happened right then and there. It's never going to happen again kind of thing. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit torn here because back when I was actively involved in both hardware and software, I always preferred the hardware solution. Yeah. Always. And because it's faster, it's immensely faster, and right. it still is. Mm-hmm. So, but we've gotten to the point where the software itself uh, is, is now so embedded into a very high-performance piece of hardware that is the, right. that it's yeah. a computer, and so it's you've already got lots of hardware. Yeah. It's just a different kind of hardware. Right. Well, and that's Apple has recognized that. That's why they own the whole pipeline right on their device because yeah. because they recognize that that hardware is the right answer, you know, for the guts. But then yeah. having the right software allows you to make that usable and and friendly and and you know uh, and make adjustments to it. You know? And and the profitability is tied to trying to do more with less. In other words, uh, hardware is what the actual dollars uh, are, are what make you the money. Uh, so you, the smaller general purpose device is the most efficient in terms of making money. Uh, whereas cameras are not are non complex hardware. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. There's there's a lot going on. I'm sorry, they're op- opposite of that. They are very complex. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I knew what you meant. <laughs> I said it wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's I, I would love if Apple would, and of course Apple probably says why, we've got the best cameras set up already, but I would have uh, loved to have somebody like a Canon or a Nikon or an Olympus or something create basically, you know, a body that allows you to use their um, lenses, but then mm-hmm. the screen on the back that's typically on a lot of cameras these days, all digital cameras, you just slide your iPhone in there and it snaps in and it then becomes that screen in the back and you use your iPhone camera or iPhone engine for processing the photos and uh, 
and your connectivity. So those photos are automatically backed up to the cloud and dropped into your iPhoto library. Um, you know, so that you have the best of both worlds. You have you could use the camera built into the phone, or you could pop the phone into a body that was essentially a holder for the phone, uh, but allowed you to use the larger sensors and larger lenses. Um, that to me, that kind of hybrid would be the perfect, perfect world, right? I could have both, um, and yet, you know, have it sort of use the same pipeline on the back end automatically. And I know there's phones that are cameras that have Bluetooth and Wi-Fi built in and, and apps so that they will then automatically dump their photos onto your phone, but that's still clunky. But, but the real trade-off here is uh, the cost of both a phone and a camera is very expensive. Yeah. And so, therefore, you could build your own simple little display thing to replace the, you know, if you wanted a display and just put it on the camera and be a whole lot cheaper. Yeah. You know, and and vice versa. You, you know, that's why uh, Apple hasn't gone to the expense to work the whole optics kind of thing that mounts on this other little camera because they can do it in a cheaper manner. Sure, sure. And like I said, right now, and, and it's probably the right answer, but it would be nice if Apple would create a, uh, you know, they've got like a different um, developmental kits if they had mm -hmm. like, you know, a photo kit type thing or maybe it exists in the, in the, in the Nikon and the Canon and the Olympus and Pentax and Fuji and those guys just haven't used it as well as they could um, where you take pictures and they're automatically dumped to the phone in your pocket and uploaded to your cloud. Uh, you know, but I, I think what I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I don't want it just the I don't want the phone just being a portal to the cloud. I would like the phone to also do some of the the processing, processing magic yeah. that they're doing with the with their built in stuff with the with uh, interchangeable lens cameras. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it would be good to have a nice integration there, at least for the professionals. I mean, you know, because then then you can have the best of both worlds. Right. It's yeah. just not. It's just very expensive to do that, and uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know if anybody would get into that business because of that. Yeah, you know, um, or, or or you know, if one of the camera manufacturers says, well, instead of just Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, why not put a cellular radio in the camera, and let it attach to your iCloud account, right, or your yeah. Google Photo account? Yeah, you know, I could see that being a thing too. So. Well, in fact, the, you know, if, as long as you've got the people with the smarts to do all the good processing, you could process it anywhere you wanted to once you had the hard data, you know, uh -huh. which and, 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 and all the optics are all about is just data gathering, right? Yeah. So run it into whatever the cheapest uh, computer that somebody can have. Uh yeah. And, well, I mean, uh, they kind. I mean, or the one that they have uh, that everybody does have, which is a phone. You know. Yeah. And and I think they all do that. You know, they've all got an app that attaches. You know, that you can run on the phone, that then attaches to the camera. But my experience has been those apps are not been the greatest. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's the problem. Is it's it's not that it's not being done. What I kind of want is being done. It's just kind of not being done well. And that's the bottom line. Well, and that has to do with the fun, with the company that made the most money because they can afford to make good stuff. Yeah. Well, and and let's face it, the camera companies are like, that's an add-on from them. That's like, okay, we'll throw that in. That's not that's not an important part of their product to them. Right. You know, um, it's it's not like it's not important, but it's not top of mind as by important. Any stretch. Yeah, it's not top of mind as anybody 
could easily say. So yeah, that, that that's what Apple is using as their uh, armaments to to beat the camera companies. Right. Yeah. What the camera companies don't well they should realize is that no, they should know that right now none of them make or sell in any great numbers pocket cameras anymore. And you yeah. know why? Because phones are out there, and the phones have gotten so good, pocket cameras are, are, have become uh, completely irrelevant. Remember how hot those were, you know, just early before the phones? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, companies were making, like, you know, how little and tiny can you make a camera and still get decent photos from it? Yeah, uh, and it, ca- it came down to just a little lens on a, on a, on a phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how tiny. They can get real tiny. So tiny that you don't need a separate device. We'll just build it into one you've got in your pocket anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's funny how over time that's sort of become, you know, we still call these things phones, but, you know, actually like dialing a number and calling and talking to someone is probably one of the fewest or the, the, the least uses of them, right? It is. I mean, it's it a, is. it's a, uh, uh, entertainment device for viewing videos. It's a browsing the internet device. It's a, uh, a texting device, which, you know, younger generations do that much more than speak on a phone and, uh, you know, uh, and a camera, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it just goes back to, um, you know, when Steve Jobs first introduced it, right? He, he introduced three separate devices and then, and then kind of says, do you get it yet? These are By all the one way- device. When was the last time you were in a, an AT&T store or somebody that has phones laid out? Do, do they still uh, have an, uh, any real choices there? Oh, they, I mean, yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, uh, they have a ton of different Android phones and there are several companies. Well, no, that, no, no. That's, that's like, that's, I'm not talking smartphones. I'm talking phone oh, phones. Oh, yeah. No, they, well, you, you cut me off. What I was just, and they still have a few different, like, little candy bar and flip phones for people who don't want a smartphone. Oh. Um, and so there are some people out there who are still buying those. You know, just a, it's the, just the little square bar phones and the flip phones. And those ah. are still available if people want them. Um, you know, there's and there's the one company that specializes in making phones for for sort of tech illiterate, especially uh, elderly people, which have, you know, basically really large buttons and uh, and only dial a few numbers, you know, call for help mm-hmm. or call family members. Um, you know, those are very specialized phones, but... Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. If you want a flip phone or you want, uh, I, I know a guy who has a phone that is built like a brick and it's, it's, it's just a phone. It's not a smartphone, but he literally, you know, people laugh and, about his phone and he says, yeah. And then he knocks it off the table and then, and then reaches down and picks it up and goes, and it's fine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and no screen break here. <laughs> he, and he literally does it on purpose. I mean, I've seen him do it. It's it's he he it's this hardened thing that's looks like it's in this giant plastic case, but no screen on it. It's just a phone. But you know, if you need to reach him, you can call him. What 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 does it do to give you any feedback as to what you dialed? You just have a dialer. It's got it's got actual buttons, and when you press the button, it makes a tone, just like oh. a phone did for oh. years and years. Beep boop 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 boop. That's your feedback. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a button. You can feel it push down when you push on it, and you hear the sound it makes. Yeah, it's it's so, definitely old yeah. school, and they're out there. But yeah, oh. but then they but I, if you go into the the these stores, mostly what you see is 
uh, you know, a dozen different varieties of Android phones. Mm-hmm. Most of them are Samsung. Uh, and then, you know, you'll have the uh, four to six varieties of, of Apple phones. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you'll have the, they always have the, the, the most current ones. So that would be the Pro, the Pro and the Pro Max and the, uh, or no, it's the, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it's the iPhone 15 Pro, the 15 Pro Max, then the iPhone 15, and what do they call the large iPhone 15? Is that Max? That's I'm I'm not, I'm, I'm messing up names now, but anyway, you get the four, you know, the two sizes at the at both the Pro and the basic level for iPhone, and then usually one or two uh, of the previous versions of iPhone, which yeah. Apple still sells, and, and AT and T and Verizon and T Mobile sell as well. Uh, yeah. So there's always an Apple section. It's like going to your Target store. There's a section for Apple or or Best Buy. There's a section for Apple. You know, uh, I, I got my uh, disability before COVID, and since you know, so it's been three or four years at least, I think, since I've been to a store other than a grocery store or a drugstore. Yeah. Which, you know, and and a grocery store maybe been twice, a couple trips. But uh, those are always with my scooter, so right. I just drive in and fill my basket and fill the, the what room there is on the floorboard between my feet, mm-hmm. and uh, and I can get enough groceries to make yeah. it worth the trip. Uh, but generally, I go to a drugstore, which also has a little grocery section, and so I I have a difficult time these days of imagining people still going to stores because yeah. I can I, I by and large buy mail order you know it comes to the door yeah and there's a lot of people who have shifted to that mode of operation too you know i I know people who don't you know that's how they get their groceries they just show up at the doorstep with their groceries you know Mm -hmm. you don't go out and get them um i don't do that much in fact about the only thing that i've gotten delivered to my house is a pizza i've done like a DoorDash thing once or twice there was one time I was on our, it was middle of the week and I had an event I had to go to and it was on our anniversary. So I ordered a nice meal for my wife and had it delivered to her via like DoorDash while I was gone. And then we celebrated it together on the weekend. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and so, but I, I you know, I, I warned her so that she didn't wonder who's that knocking at her door. Uh, and she didn't go, you know, pick up something or make something on her own. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of the delivery stuff. I understand the convenience, but it's just, to me, it's like you look at it and I don't know, you know, I well, anyway, to be anyway, I think the, pan- the pandemic largely brought this about and yeah. it, it was a huge benefit for somebody like me who mm-hmm. can't get around much anymore anyhow. Sure. And, and so there are services out there that just didn't exist pre pandemic. Right. Well, I wonderful. think, I think a lot of them existed, but what happened was, they became more more mainstream and really took off because of the pandemic. Yeah. People didn't want yeah. to go out, but for there were always people who were special case, you know, that that couldn't that couldn't get out or didn't get out easily, or they just preferred the convenience of it. But it was a small number. But now it's become yeah. very mainstream. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. By the way, I see here you put up an article that apparently your new uh, 15 Pro is overheating. Huh? Well, you know, they had, remember, uh, iPhone 4 had antenna gate and iPhone 6 had bend gate. So they're always <laughs> looking for something. And and what people forget, too, is that when you first get a new phone, for the next couple of days, even though it looks like everything's updated, it's updating all a whole bunch of files in the background. 
and so it tend the battery use the and the the uh, the and the CPU is running at a higher level than it will be as you get to you know your phone. Uh, so there's always a, a little bit of that going on, regardless of the phone. That uh-huh. said. There have been several people who have indicated, and now Apple pretty quickly came out and said, uh, uh, like earlier last week they said, and now they've sent the the, uh, the fix for it, that there was an issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they, they said it's not something that they're going to have to slow down the processor for, because Ming-Chi Kuo, I think that's what pushed them to, to do say something. Ming-Chi Kuo said that there's been some issues with overheating, that it does not appear to be related to the TSMC chip. Uh, which sounds like TSMC said, hey, Ming, make sure you say that this, <laughs> this isn't us, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, like a public we'll service. we'll you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we won't, we won't tell you any more secrets if you don't uh, do us this, yeah. this solid here. So they went out. And, anyway, he said that it's, it didn't appear to be the chip. Apple then said, yeah, we acknowledge that there's been a, a heating issue. We'll have a software thing out. And Quo had had implied that they might have to slow it down, and Apple came out and said, "No, we don't have to slow it down. It's we've identified what it is, and there'll be a patch out quickly." And I think what it was, it because I will tell you, I experienced this. I was at the the Phoenix Zoo, and I kept my camera app open the whole time because I wanted to be able to just grab it up and and take a picture. So I was using the camera app extensively, and at some point the fa- the phone got so warm in my pocket that it was uncomfortable. So I took it out and then I actually took it out of the case so that I just had the, you know, so it could be in the raw air. And the only thing I noticed that kind of helped it cool down was they had these misters in certain areas. And if I walked under a mister and let the little bit of dampness get on the phone and then evaporate off, that mm-hmm. that the phone temperature then dropped significantly. Um, now that may have been coincidental, you know, timing wise, <laughs> Because I obviously wasn't taking a picture while I was walking through a mister. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, maybe not, obviously. It might have been a cool picture. But anyway, um, I noticed it was getting pretty hot. And so I think what it is is that they found that there was probably a system uh, file or a system uh, service that was, like, running amok or sprouting multiple instances of itself in certain ins- instances, you know, and that, that, mm-hmm. and that they the software fix is fixing that. They specifically said there was a couple different software applications, third-party applications that were also causing this to happen, and so I think they were able to isolate, you know, what subsystem in this in the software was causing this problem and go fix that piece of code. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, I downloaded 17.0.3, which is the most current release uh, last night on my iPhone 15. By the way, that that version that update is not just for iPhone 15s. It's it's for all phones because there is there's also some other bug patches in it, um, and mm-hmm. so seventeen point zero point three is uh, strongly recommended for everybody who has an iPhone of any any flavor that is capable of running iPhone seven I, iOS seventeen. Um, so I just wanted to share that because yeah, I actually experienced it, and it was I've had phones get hot before. This was noticeably hot it wasn't like oh it's just hot because it's a warm day out or because you left it laying in the sun or something this was you know it, it was overheating and i don't know you know the only thing i was using specific i wasn't using like the i saw that they said it was instagram and uh, uh a game a racing game and there was one other one that they named that are uh, third-party apps that they knew were having problems with i wasn't running any of those i was running the photo app built into the phone 
but it certainly mm -hmm. had triggered something that was causing the system to run, you know, press the, the, the push the limits of the system and, and really heat it up. And so I was very happy to get rid of that. So, well, anyway, uh, this is kind of meant specifically for iPhone 15. Uh, I have a 13, as you know, right. and my mini I thought was kind of hot sometimes. And I downloaded this new thing and I think it solved the problem. Right. That's what I'm saying is I think that the people were looking at iPhone 15s because they're new and so they're kind of watching them closely. I think this mm -hmm. problem was a, an iOS 17 problem that really affected more than just the iOS uh, uh, iPhone 15s. You yeah. know, I think I and I think Apple tried to say that in as directly as they could was, that, hey, this is a software issue that we're going to fix. Yeah, it's it's not specific to any one phone. It's just as right. Religious. Yeah, it it yeah. When you do the download, it it uh, it it supports all phones, and so yeah, there's some 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 weird stuff going on. But you know, anytime you launch something new, people are going in and 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 you know they not only add functions and features, but sometimes they go in and they they rewrite some code uh, to well, add you know way, certain well, subsystems. Way, Way before anybody had phones or any kind of a digital device and, and the volumes uh, that Apple and uh, Android people experience today, we've, we've always known that you can only do so much in the software development arena to catch problems uh, by doing in-house testing, you know, with yeah. half a dozen people or however many. Yeah. Well, even, even if you're doing live beta testing, yeah, you know, that doesn't hit all of the the possible ways and, and and modes that people will get your device into. Yeah, as much as you as you want to avoid having any serious problems out there, they're still bound to happen in statistically over time that uh, that you're going to have a problem that affects lots of people. Yeah, and uh, that's the only thing you can do is be ready to respond and respond quickly with a real solution. So uh, this this isn't all all that bad. It's mm -hmm. just uh, statistically, uh, uh, you know, fairly limited probability that you have something, you know, bad go wrong, but, but it's going to happen. And so you just yeah. deal with it. Well, yeah. Yeah, anyhow. absolutely. You know, in fact, I was, I was reading the notes underneath here that the, um, uh, comments, you know, and there's one person here going, you know, it's it's surprising to me how much people kept gaslighting those who encountered the issue, trying to tell us that it was just warm, that it's not overheating, that it's indexing in the background, that you're using it too much, that, you know, the issue's not mine, oh, for first world problems and kind of downplaying. And it's like, you know, the issue mm -hmm. was Apple's all along and Apple admits it and they fixed it and they fixed it pretty quickly. Um, you know, kudos to <laughs> them, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, but it's, it's yeah, it's anytime you get uh, a uh, involved with something that has a lot of fanboys behind it or fangirls behind it, you know, like Apple does, there are those who are going to try to tell you like, oh, no, no, there's nothing wrong with this. You know, it's like, well, yeah, sometimes there is, you know, sometimes there is a there there, you know, heaven forbid if anybody go online and say anything negative about, you know, Taylor Swift, her, her fans will come down on you like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. They just don't like you talking about her. And it's like, all right, yeah. fine. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's one little side item at the end of this uh, particular uh, article we're reading that says, original uh -huh. Apple Watch is now officially obsolete, including a $17,000 gold medal 
model. Oh yeah, the original, the original um, uh, uh, Apple Watch. Yeah, what? But what did they call those? The the uh, the it wasn't. It was like the premium, their premium one. There was a name for that. But oh yeah. yeah, but that original gold, one was just a gold model. I yeah, no, there here. was a name for it, and and because then they also did a uh, a ceramic version of that type, you know, that level. Because they did the they did the 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 Apple Watch was always the aluminum one, and then there was the stainless yeah. steel Apple Watch, and then there was the next one that that well, fancy. Well, well, the buyer of these watches is just going to donate it to a museum. Yeah, you know? yeah. I can't imagine they sold many and, of those. And then and then write it off as if it was instead of a seventeen thousand dollar. Now it's appreciated to something like forty thousand yeah. dollars. Probably. Unless, un, unless you're Trump, you can get away with it. It's it's yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a museum piece. It's a museum piece. That's right. Yeah. So oh, by the way, too. Yeah, that seventeen point oh point three. Is not just uh -huh. for iOS, but also for iPad OS. So, yes. uh, so iPad users also uh, check and see if you've got your uh, update waiting, and go ahead and get that done because uh, the two are still, even though they they now are two separate threads, they still run closely enough and have enough of the same software in them that that's you know obviously uh, an issue. So, if your iPad is getting hot, um, maybe here's a way to fix that. So yeah. I did put two more stories in there. One of them is today, the 5th of October, is actually the 12th anniversary of Steve Jobs passing. It was 12 years ago today. Um, yeah. I hadn't realized that he was he lasted only two years longer than my dad, who also died of cancer. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, So I understand that it's terrible to die that young. Yeah. But, you know, and... and and I always felt from the story at the time that that he uh, kind of brought a lot of that on himself. He he didn't take it seriously. Well, the, I, I don't think he didn't take it seriously, but he tried like uh, he would, natural remedies and earth, you know, or, uh, yeah. uh, for for like a year prior to doing the recommended course of treatment by his doctors. And from what I had read, and I think this is from the Isaacson um, biography, that that it was a fairly common and and curable cancer had he taken care done, of done what his right doctors away. asked him to do immediately, yeah. and, and he didn't, which is yeah. just a shame. And 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 and, and I particularly caught that uh, it got my attention because I recognized in myself at that time in my life where I could, uh, was way overconfident that I could do things that I couldn't do, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that that had a lot to just to do with the personality, especially of techies at that time. Uh, it wasn't uncommon feeling. Right. You know, I think it's, 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 uh, it's, it's endemic in the, in the tech world, but I think there's also a certain amount of arrogance of youth. Yeah. Oh you know? yeah. Yeah, and you say youth. Youth is always how how youth is how youthful is youth. Well, it's anybody younger than me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, definitely younger than me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, that's most people's definition, even if they don't put it into words. Right? Is like yeah. young is well younger than me. <laughs> yeah. We we tend to be very self centered when we when we think about age right it's always relative isn't it? <laughs> it is it is it's funny and it, and when you catch yourself in it it's even funnier right when you go like huh that's that's right yeah yeah but sometimes you know you have to admit it when you do you do recall how you used to think when you were younger 
you know, and that's yeah. what I was saying is yeah. I, I look back at my youth and say, man, there were some things I did that I would not be have done today, yeah. you know? Yeah, things you did and things you said, sometimes you look back on it and you just kind of cringe and go, oh, yeah, yeah, that was probably poor choice. Yeah. But, uh, so uh, the last thing I had up was I just thought it was funny because uh, Porsche is explaining yeah. why they're going all in <laughs> on CarPlay, unlike GM, who says that they're going to, you know, kind of not put it in their electric cars. And, yeah. and essentially it boils down to why have multiple interfaces that are designed by different people that run work differently, that something that's unique and integrated works better, and that the entertainment aspect is already handled supremely well by by Apple's CarPlay. So why not, you know, just integrate other stuff into that? And so they actually have a Porsche app. It's called My Porsche uh, and that shows up in the CarPlay when you plug in your device. And that allows you to do things like decide where your air is going to blow and how warm it is and how strong it's going to blow. And, you know, you can change the interior lighting, the ambient lighting of the vehicle and things like that, all through that same sort of touch interface built right into CarPlay. Yeah, and, and boy, they can really uh, throw it right in GM's face because I can't think of anything so stupid for GM to do. Yeah, well, they've caught a lot of flack about it, and, and they sort of softened their words, but they haven't actually said they're going to change their mind yet. I wouldn't buy a vehicle that didn't have CarPlay, and, in, and I'll even go one further. Whilst I was in Phoenix, I rented a car that I really enjoyed driving. I had yeah. a Mazda CX-30, which is their small SUV. Got 40 mm -hmm. miles to the gallon, give or take, and uh, and just was a pleasure to drive. I fit in the car well. It was comfortable seats. Instead of using a touch interface, they had a knob between the two front seats, and that's how you controlled CarPlay. And as a result, I will never, ever buy that car. Really? Yeah. What do you, what do you mean, a knob? I mean a knob. There's a knob that you can spin around to select what you want on the screen, and then you push the knob down to, to, to pick it. Oh. So instead of reaching out and saying, hey, I want to touch the music thing and play music, I would you turn gotta... the knob until music was highlighted and push down oh, on the knob. Oh, and I went, dodo. who was the idiot who said, let's take the perfectly well-designed touch interface and turn it into something that's going to run through a knob. And while you're, all you, the while, your eyeballs are not on the road. Yeah. Yeah, and it yeah exactly. It takes your eyes off the road longer to watch the screen while you're spinning around trying to get yeah. the thing that you want highlighted. Now, if they had a heads up if you had a heads up display that you're looking through, that might be feasible then. But maybe, still. but yeah, but no, they've got a screen there, and instead of me being able to just reach over and touch the the app that I want to play. And part of the reason I think they did this is they moved the screen further up on the dash, so it's a little harder to reach. But it's like put the dead, oh. put the touch interface where I can touch it, and let me touch it. You know, I just I I I've driven in a couple cars, and in fact, I'm sure I've ranted about it before. I I rented a Mercedes one time that had this time type of interface. Uh, I have since rented another Mercedes, and they've gone away from it. I wish Mazda would learn that same lesson and go away with my, that stupid knob. It literally will keep me from ever buying a Mazda again. And I my, own one, and I like it. My my. Uh... My steering wheel has both a volume switch and a pre-select. It cycles through the pre-selects. If you don't have, you know, only two pre-selects, it just goes back and forth between the two. Uh -huh. You know, so you can cancel as you know, get down to a limited number. Right. When I'm in the car, I'm going to either listen to this or this or this, but no more. Right. So that's it. You know, 
<clears throat> yeah. So, anyway. I think it's nice to have a real, you know, button or knob or switch for certain things. I like I like a, I like a knob for volume. I but don't they all like, ought to be, they all belong on the steering wheel. But but yeah, well, but even then, a you know, CarPlay is a perfectly well designed touch interface. <clears throat> Taking the touch interface away and telling me that I have to spin a dial around to highlight the right thing and then tap the dial to select it is is just insanity. And and I. Yeah, like I said, I, I just flat out won't buy a vehicle that has that kind of interface to CarPlay, and I won't buy a vehicle that doesn't have CarPlay. Yeah. Um, that's the right interface for for uh, managing an entertainment system driving down the road. And uh, I did play with it once briefly, um, Android's Auto, and it's likewise. You know, I don't like it as much as I do the CarPlay. I don't like the interface as much, but it's superior to anything I've seen a car manufacturer try to make. Mm -hmm. You know, so shame on you, Mazda. You make such wonderful cars. Was that a Wankel engine? No, no. Although I understand that they are going to reintroduce that. You know, they used to, uh, uh, I think <clears throat> the CX or the MX-8 was the last of their sort of sporty cars that had the rotary engine in it. But... I understand they've not given up on it completely and that it might be coming back. So we'll see. I don't think it's been officially announced or anything. But uh, I, I don't know when I would do it, but uh, if I were to get another rental car, I, I would like to try an electric, although they advise yeah. against it because they drive so differently that some people have difficult time adjusting. Uh huh. So, But I'm assuming that I'm not an ever, anybody and that I will adjust to it quickly before right. I go out and do any fast moves or anything, you uh -huh. know? They had several of them available uh, to rent while I was, you know, because it was one of the options, but they were charging a premium to rent it, and it was like, no, I don't want to spend any more money than I oh. have to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no. In addition to my one daughter getting delayed by a day and then spending a day in an airport, um, we also had a thing where the rental at the airport was like, $300 more than the yeah. rental at like a downtown car rental place. Yeah. And so we put, made the reservation at the downtown place and then Ubered from the airport to there. Mm -hmm. And we got there and the rental place downtown had closed early that day and didn't bother to mention to me that they were closing early that day. Uh, uh, and I was a little delayed getting there because there was some um, delays at the, at the airport to get out. So I got there. I got there about a half hour after my uh, rental appointment, and they literally had just closed. But apparently they didn't tell anybody else either because there was four people standing around with cars that they were trying to return outside the place, and the, go pl the gates were locked, and there was not a soul there. So, uh, yeah. Like I said, we had to be very stoic on this this whole trip. <laughs> so uh, well, I ended up calling the rental company and Ubering to our Airbnb and then Ubering back to the airport the next day and renting a car from there, ultimately. Um, yeah. And uh, I had, like I said, they had some electric cars, but I just didn't feel like paying a premium. And I knew I was going to be driving a long ways from uh, from Phoenix up to the Grand Canyon to visit it one day. And the last yeah. thing I want to do is drive part of the way and then have to sit for, you know, an hour while we charge up a car. Right, right. Anyhow, I don't know if you knew it, but for about a month and a half, I was driving a rental car. I do know that. Oh, You've got okay. yours back now? Yeah, yeah. 
Finally. Have, have you ordered a new um, uh, mount on the back for your... Uh... I, I got it, that installed the very next morning. Awesome. So uh, that worked out well. It, it was just that it took so long to begin with. But because I was, it was, a, it was a, uh, an insurance company paying for my rental car while mine was in the shop, uh-huh. I, did, I didn't have the choice of getting an electric Right. Well, you probably and, could have if you wanted to pay the difference. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, I, I had a Ford Escape, which mm-hmm. was kind of interesting. It was, uh, I never did learn all the buttons on the car. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, a friend of mine has an Escape, the newest one. And, uh, and yeah, they're, they're nice little, you know, small SUVs. It's a little bit smaller than yours. You know, yeah. you, you had the, um, the, was it Kia Sportage Sport? I had an SUV. And this was not, you know, so that was the main difference. The what? I have an SUV. Right. Isn't the Focus an SUV? It's not a Focus. It's oh, it, Escape. Oh, the Escape is an SUV. Uh, well, I don't know. I guess you could call it that, but it, it was definitely smaller. Yeah, it's smaller. The Ford Escape is an SUV. Ford doesn't make anything that's not an SUV other than the Mustang now. They don't even make... Oh sedans hmm. okay yeah it so. was a four-door so it was just like a regular mm-hmm. car uh yeah well i all don't suvs are four doors i think these days aren't yeah. they? i guess i did open the back door one time i can't remember what i was for but so yeah, yeah. i guess it is what you'd call an suv a little bit of yeah it's a smaller uh, one yeah. i guess, what makes it an suv because you have a big door that opens in the back Generally, yeah. Instead of a trunk, it, it's 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 a hatchback type of setup, and yeah. it usually sets up a little higher. You know, you're more upright seating position than you would be in a car. Right. In a car, when you sit, your feet usually are out in front of you, and in a SUV, they usually are, you know, more yeah. like you're sitting at a like a well, dinner table or something. Well, that that was uh, that was one of the things that was important to me is I could get in fit in the door without breaking my neck. Yeah, because I told them I won't take anything. I I, I can't get in the door. Yeah, well, that that in fact, uh, that's that's why I bought my Hyundai in the first place. Back then, there was hardly anything that I could buy. When I looked at a whole bunch of cars, and they all had this dang sloped door. Thing right. That, well, know. when I when I bought my Mazda, I was looking. I had decided I wanted the uh, a Mazda SUV, and at the time, it was between the CX-7, which was their smaller one, and the CX-9, which was a little bit larger. And uh, the CX-7 got better mileage, but the CX-9 was a nicer vehicle. It was a little higher, more high end. And I rented a CX seven to go to a, uh, swim meet in San Diego for the weekend, uh, just to see what they were like. And every time I got in and out of the car because of the slope of the window and the, and the hood line, I hit my head Mm -hmm. and I went, Nope, I can't own this car. And I'm sure over time I get used to actually ducking a little more, but I have limited mobility in my neck because of a car injury. And so I just went, you know, no, I don't want that. I don't yeah. want that car. I don't fit in that car properly. So I got the CX-9, which I like. I Like I said, I like my car a lot, but it's an older one that does, doesn't have, you know, a screen or CarPlay or anything like that. And uh, as a result of Mazda's implementation of CarPlay, I will not buy another Mazda. I'll have to get something else, which is kind of a bummer. I like the way they drive. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyhow... Yeah. I, 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 Alex was out here also, right. and uh, he drives one of those. He's, he loves his because you bought yours just before him. Yeah, well, I actually had a, a family member or a, a um, uh, one of the 
families on my swim team that I coached, <clears throat> they had a uh, a dad who was a a VP at uh, at Mazda, and he gave us like a, a corporate deal, and I was able to pass that on to Alex, and so that's how Alex got his Mazda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was one of those deals. So you were like through a buying house. He didn't go in and haggle. He just came in and said, "Hey, here's this code number I got." You know, and they gave him the price. They said, "Here's what the price is on that, based on that." So mm-hmm. it worked out well, which also meant it was no haggle, which was you know good for Alex because I think that would have stressed him out. It stresses everybody out going and, and mm-hmm. doing that, you know. But he was pretty young when they, when he got that car. You know, now he's now he's a little older. He might not have had his, not not as been as big a deal, but uh, well, he still got it anyway. Yeah, and it's a nice car. It's a mm-hmm. nice car. Yeah. So, uh, have you ever thought? about the transition to electric and what do you think about that um i have thought about it and i actually like the idea of doing it if it's not the only vehicle you own if you as long as you have a reliable gas vehicle for taking longer rides because i think the i still think that the charge time you know i think it's great for a commuter to to and from work every day type of car but but if you're going like on a you know, several hundred mile trip and you're going to have to stop and charge it multiple times. That can well, be a bit of a and, pain. Well, and the other condition is that there's two of you working. So you need two cars. In other right. Words, yeah. Or, you know. you, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if you can get by with one car, I guess what I'm saying is that for me, at least at this point, I don't think that they're a good solution for a one car family. If you, no. you know, if you've got, if you have two cars, then I think one of them being electric is, is not a bad idea. Um, ultimately I like the idea of like a uh, plug-in hybrid that has maybe, you know, a hundred to 150 miles of range electric before it goes to the, to gas. Yep. Um, and that way you kind of get the best of both worlds. Yeah, you know, so for the yeah, com- Toyota's got stuff. the Prius, and now they've also got the uh, Corolla that are hy- uh, plug-in hybrids. Right. Yeah. Ford makes plug-in hybrids. Toyota makes them. Honda makes them. Uh, Hyundai makes them. There's lots of plug-in hybrid options. They don't I, seem to be quite as popular as either all gas or all electric. Or there's a lot of cars that are hybrid, but they're not plug-in hybrids. Meaning, you know, they'll they'll use electric supplementation and stuff to get better mileage. Yeah. But, but they're always burning gas, mm-hmm. you know, and I like the sort of one or the other option of the plug-in well, hybrids. Well, in that regard, uh, uh, the need for gas uh, seems to me to be uh, something that, that needs to be reconsidered, particularly because we need to bring the price of gas down. Oh, your gas is yeah. dirt cheap compared to mine. Well, I was in I, Phoenix. I, I was in Phoenix, and it was four dollars and and between fifty and seventy cents a gallon, and that is literally a dollar fifty cheaper than what I'm paying here in California. In fact, almost two dollars yeah. cheaper. I'm aware instances. of that. Yeah. Plus, we don't even drive very far, so we don't spend very much on gas. Yeah. Not at all. However, the general total economy of the country is extremely dependent on the price of gas. Yeah. It's just as bad, if not worse, than groceries because it drives everybody's costs because they have to drive trucks with petroleum products to get groceries. So that's why the groceries are high. So everything is dependent on petroleum. And and if if somebody doesn't do something about that, that's that's a major platform issue uh, in the next election. 
And the biggest biggest reason is not even the that uh, uh, cost, just to get costs down. The biggest reason for all of this is so that Russia no longer ha would have enough money to continue the war, because that's costing us a lot of money on top of all of the other prices. You know? So I, I thought that article that I sent you uh, on this is, it was the absolute perfect solution. It's been used and it works twice before. Yeah, and I haven't read that because I was on vacation, and so I wasn't reading. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, Reagan and Trump both dropped the price of fuel down to a level where Russia wasn't making any money, and therefore they couldn't afford to do what they're doing today. Today at $100 a gallon, they're doing just fine, and they'll keep doing just fine. So rather than get to a negotiating table, which I don't know what else you're going to talk about, is just get the price of gas down, and now you've got something to talk about. Yeah, you know? no, that could solve a lot of problems. So uh, I think it's urgent that we do that. And I just wanted to say say so and why. Okay. okay. On, that, on that note, I think we've talked about everything we had kind of put in the docket to talk about today. We've been going for about two hours. It's probably time to call it quits. Yep. We'll so, see you in a week. Uh, yeah, less well, than a week, less actually. Less than a week, yeah, because we plan to be back on Monday this time. So, uh uh, unless you're planning on going you. somewhere. But yeah, likewise, I hope everybody enjoyed, and we'll be back next Monday. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Another Generation Tech.